Hey guys, it's Bran here. I'm super excited to sit down today with Ken and her childhood friend Dustin. In this episode, Dustin takes us on his journey as a preacher's kid and how he's navigated this thing called life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. Bran! What's up, Ken? I just love seeing your face. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wasn't the right answer. I love seeing your face as well. Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so I'm so excited to get into this episode today. Like, I have been waiting. Me too. For this episode. Right. So we were talking a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I don't even know what we were talking about. I don't know either. But somehow the topic came up, maybe about growing up, like living with a pastor. Yeah. We were talking about pastors and ministering and something. And we were like, wow, wouldn't it be dope to talk to a PK? Right. For those of you out there that don't know what PK is, it is a pastor's kid. You so... Uh-uh, preacher's kid. <laughs> She's from Alabama, pastor's kid. Am I trying to make it to whatever? Yeah, anyway, so then we were like racking our brains, like, who's a PK out here that we know? And I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know somebody. Um, So I'm so excited to have a longtime friend of mine, like, whoo, so long ago, like, third grade long ago. How old are you in the third grade? Really? Third grade? Yeah. So long ago. Um. Well, whenever I first moved to Alabama. So, um, Dustin came right to mind. I'm like, yes, he's a PK. Oh, my gosh. And he loves talking, like, theology and things like that. So, this would be pretty dope. Yes. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Like, <laughs> isn't it just a blessing? It is a blessing. To have, like, a thought in your mind and then a sprinkle of Jesus comes down and it's like, boom, here you go. <laughs> I can't do it with you. I know, right? That's yes. <laughs> All right. So, with... Because we have so much to talk about. So let's get right into it. Hey, Dustin. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are y'all? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Great. I'm so, thank you so much just on the front end for being willing to talk about this topic. It is, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people in the Christian community have thoughts about this. So I appreciate you letting the Lord use you. <laughs> yes. Well, cool. I'm excited to be here as well. I am ready to jump in so let's do it yeah let's go sure all right so as you all out there know our tagline is god is in the details that's just like what we believe good or bad happy or sad whatever god is there and so we love to start with that question how has god been in your details oh man that's a a really interesting question Mm -hmm. i think um (laughs) The older I get, the more I am aware mm. that he's been there the entire time. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing to me is, even when I'm not aware, he's still there and he's still working and still doing mm. certain things. Again, you, I mean, you talked about just the details of our life and some, you know, the detail of you mentioning that we know each other from like third grade. Yeah. And that's that's a detail that we never would have known that it would, you know, end up or not even end up, but just possibly, you know, just touch down at this point now where we're having a conversation that, you know, could or could not be interesting depending on your preference. <laughs> so right. I, I just, I just am in awe of just becoming more aware of his, uh, omnipresence, his omniscience, um, and everything that, that includes him and, you know, the plan that he has for our lives. So the details of my life are, um, 
getting more interesting to me. I don't know how interesting it'll be to other people, but I just know um, that everybody has purpose. Everybody has um, a plan, a story that's written already, and we're just living it out. Yeah. So every everything, every detail of our lives, even from just waking up in the morning and the choosing of the clothes, um, every preference that we have, every frustration that we have, every um, joy, you know, everything is, is part of just experiencing life and life in him. Yeah, that's for sure. I love that you said that adulthood has kind of opened your eyes to that more because it wasn't. I know for me, it was adulthood when I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> like he has been in every moment. So it's crazy. Time and wisdom open your eyes to everything, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. So you are a preacher's kid, as a brand who would say. Um, describe your family dynamic um, and how that shaped your view of God at an early age. Okay. So um, I am a preacher's kid. <laughs> My, my my dad is is currently the pastor of First Missionary Baptist Church in Jasper, Alabama. Well, Frisco, Alabama. If you're from Jasper, you understand what that means. If you're not from Jasper, don't worry about it. So that's like maybe two people who may understand <laughs> what I'm talking about right now. But he's been pastoring for a little over 20 years at that particular um, church. Before that, he was a year at another church. Um, and before that, I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, 12 years old, when he accepted his call into the ministry, which means he was 43-ish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my situation's a little unique mm-hmm. in that I had a pre-pastor's kid life and a post past his kid like so I understand you know I understand you know the dynamic from both sides yeah. I also was born into a family that had um a lot of preachers in it at the time uh, my grandmother my grandfather was a preacher he died before I was born um and I was born into a family that was um three pastors in some deacons some Sunday school teachers, so I'm like, <laughs> I may have, I, I was born in class number two in Sunday school. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, that's actually really funny. All right. <laughs> class number two. <laughs> so that, that's my um, background, I guess. And so, you know, there are a lot of ways to go from here, I guess, in this conversation so whichever way you want to go, let's, let's go. <laughs> oh my <Boy>. God. <laughs> yeah. Being uh eleven years old when your dad decided to make this uh to accept this calling, how I mean that that's at an age where you're old enough to, you know, know that certain things probably couldn't happen anymore. Like how did that make you feel <laughs> just your yeah. dad accepting that calling and then you having to you know be under his wing yeah like maybe a little more detail about what did your family look like you know before he accepted the call and then like what's that transition like so like again we were regular attendees of church yeah. my mom and my dad 
did stuff in the church. Now, with that said, I think there was still a bit of wrestling um, that my dad was doing um, to figure out, you know, his identity um, as a man and as a Christian man. Mm -hmm. um, And then as a Christian man who is walking in his calling. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that I look back on that, I understand that that's what it was. But at the time, Mm -hmm. um, it was just, okay, my dad gets mad every now and then and kind of flies off the handle or, you know, different stuff like that. And so there was, I'm not, I don't think much changed, although I do remember just being kind of scared that things would change. Mm -hmm. Um, and not anything in particular, but just the unknown, just Mm -hmm. not knowing how my life was going to change, you know, going forward. I remember being, excuse me. I remember being a little afraid, um, to go to school the day after he preached his first sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you, you know, I, I just didn't know what people were going to say. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable with it. I yeah. wasn't just, I wasn't afraid that people were going to make fun of me. Because I didn't, you know, I really, I was used to that. You know, I come from a family of just, like, that's what we do. We make fun of people. So that's, that didn't bother me. <laughs> All right. Um, but it was, it was just the fear of the unknown. Yeah. And I think, I think that was most of what it was. And so I remember the, the morning that he was going to announce at church that he was called to preach. <clears throat> I remember going in my mother's room while we were getting ready for church, just kind of laying on the bed, not saying nothing. <laughs> of course, I wanted her to ask me what was wrong. Of course, I was going to say nothing, which I did. And, <laughs> you know, she, as a good parent, um, does. She knew pretty much what was wrong. And she asked me, was I um, worried about the announcement was I, you know, how did I feel about it? And so uh, she didn't get much out of me, but that, uh, that kind of eased me a little bit to know that she, you know, kind of knew what I was going through. So, um, I will say that they were, they were, they were really good parents. They didn't really give us a spiel on what was going to change and what was not going to change and all that kind of stuff. They just were, you know, they were parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested to know like where did that fear come from especially since you grew up in a family that was you know heavily involved in the ministry um did was it something that you saw from like your cousins or you know if their fathers or whatever were preachers like where did that fear come from of like oh my gosh he's about to step into this yeah I don't know Honestly, I'm just, I don't know. I, I think that there was, it may have been some subconscious uh, yeah. projection or whatever. Yeah. Um, I did know that there was a difference in how people treated PKs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it was the expectation of, you know, being all upright. Because the most, most of the things that I saw from PKs pre- um, my dad getting called was like privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was all privilege. It was like 
Oh, so you get the first round to commune. If you go to the bathroom doing fellowship hall and they just so happen to have some snacks in the kitchen, mm. then you got access to the snacks. Right. If you have, like, your dad has an office. You go in his office. It's like the VIP room. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It's stuff like that. It's like everybody everybody loves you. Everybody wants you to, to do well. Everybody supports your fundraising school stuff. You know, you might get a few pair of extra socks for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> you get to pick your so own was, class for vacation Bible was, school. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this. I know this privilege that you're talking about. Yeah, so it it was more of that. Um, However, I still, I wasn't comfortable with that Mm. even even becoming a pre-K. I just, I felt like I didn't earn it. Mm. And Mm. I felt like maybe it wasn't genuine for some people. And so that was, yeah, that was difficult for me. And I'm I'm kind of an introvert Mm. anyway. Um. So that made me uncomfortable um, over time. And I, I remember even choosing to not, like, sit in the the privileged seats and, like, you know what I'm saying? You know how you sit at the front or toward the front or in a, you know, yeah. area where you could be seen. I, I just, now I, I didn't like that. Now, hold up. Not just in the pre-case that's the PKs that's set in the back of the church is the PKs that cut up. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you saying for the record that you were one of those? No, what I'm saying that there was a certain sense of normalcy that I wanted to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. A certain sense of inclusion, a certain sense of Maybe oneness is because I I just I didn't like and I was uncomfortable with people putting you on a pedestal. It's not yeah. that you were putting yourself there. Yeah. It's that people put you there. Yeah. And my response to people putting me there was, "No, I'm good. I'll stay down here." Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know, however, a lot of other pre-Ks who enjoyed that pedestal. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I have some family members that I could speak to as far as that, but they might be listening, so I'm right. not going to mention any names. <laughs> they already know you're talking about them. Right? <laughs> well, if they you. know, it, you know, it is what it is. But right. you can't, I can't incriminate myself. Right. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was that side. And I, you know, I remember seeing that pre-PK um, and being uncomfortable with that as well. And so... You know, even as I talk, the, the I, I kind of understand myself and even the vein I think that God has me in now mm-hmm. um, that the whole time, again, there's the details. He was preparing me for, you know, the thing that he wanted me to do, you know, as mm-hmm. I got older and matured and, and fell in line and, well, f- fell in line with him and, and just not wanting to do my own thing. But even in you know, those those moments where I, I felt unsure or uncomfortable or just whatever with what was going on at the time, they end up being um, almost a roadmap to, you know, my purpose and my calling. Mm. And that's, that's uh, 
interesting and awe inspiring um, to me as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of interesting um, that you were saying that because your uh, journey through this has been so unique that you kind of got it later in life. So you were able to see the let's let's say fame coming along. You got to say, "Oh, I don't want to be famous," right? Um, but were you able to avoid that, like? throughout the whole time that you were in the house with your parents or even into adulthood, were you able to avoid everything that everyone wants to put on you as a PK or at some point did it kind of weigh on you? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't think I was able to avoid it all. Um, however, I think the things that I accepted and the things that I rejected made me a little bit more comfortable with what was on me. So it didn't become too much to bear because I know I'm not dealing with that because yeah. I reject it. You know what I mean? And so the unrealistic expectations mm. come when you accept things from people mm. that you know you don't need nor deserve. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I think, you know, that was kind of a, a instinct for me and it wasn't it wasn't something that I had like thought out of. It was just, you know, it was my instinct. That's that's just what I did, and it worked out well, you know, in retrospect. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, I guess that's something to learn. You know, if you, even in life or whatever, whatever, the things that you accept <clears throat> and the things that you reject need to be in line with, you know what is for you or what you feel like is for you or what you have earned or what you put in the work for or what you deserve or whatever. And if you don't know that, I think you can, you know, find yourself in places where there's way too much weight, way too much stress, way too much fame, mm -hmm. you know, for, for where you are. Yeah. Dustin, can you recall a time uh, back when you were, you know, growing up younger where something happened in, you were like, man, I'm a PK. <laughs> like, this gotta, like, is this gonna shame my parents? Is it gonna shame me? Like, can you recall a time that, you know, you had to go navigate a situation that happened in your life that because of who your parents were or your family were, um, you had to navigate it differently? Um, No. Not in those yeah. words. I okay. think there were times where if I did something um, wrong or found myself in a predicament that was publicly like shameful, mm -hmm. it was more so of just disappointing them and dishonoring them as as my parents, not yeah. because they were uh, in the ministry or anything like that. Like I, like again, like I don't. I think. Those first 12 years kind of shaped my mentality and mm. my standards and my mindset to the point where it didn't really change because my dad was in ministry. I, we like They were pretty strict already. Yeah. Um, they were pretty... Um, they were pretty vocal about, you know, <laughs> what we could and couldn't do relative to what our friends and what society was doing. Yeah. And so, you know, when I did mess up, because that still happened. Yeah. It was just, um, 
dang it, I'm in trouble. I'm going to disappoint my folks, and they they just might get me. Um, but I guess I guess the closest thing to um, to that that came to my mind was I had a my son, my first son, had him out of wedlock at when he was born. It was 22. I was 22, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that could have been the closest thing to dang. I wonder how people gonna look at my my parents now mm-hmm. uh, because of something that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, yeah. they were they were they were pretty gracious uh, about it. I didn't. I don't think they were disappointed, um, but that didn't last long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They see the baby there, like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It's all forgiven. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think they got any extra flack around town, but they could have shielded that from me. And, you know, I, I accept that that's a possibility. I haven't heard about, you know, anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. You also are yeah. 22 and not 14. <laughs> so. right. I didn't ask him for the money. You're right. right. Um, <laughs> might be the biggest part. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you said earlier, you were just like pretty much born into Sunday school, right? So, you have had an awareness in a sense of like God your entire life. Um, and right now, we're kind of in the middle of this big conversation about religion versus relationship. And so growing up, was it more like religion when you saw God or was it relationship or and how has that changed? Excuse me. I think it was both. Um, for me, I've always had this sense of morality that I connected with God who I pictured was this being that existed that we just couldn't see, but he could see us. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of those morals that I learned over time came from what I heard on Sundays, what I heard on Wednesdays, and what I heard in the house mm-hmm. most days. Mm-hmm. And that came from Sundays and Wednesdays as well. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a, it's really really interconnected for me, um, and I've spent much of my adult life trying to separate what's um, real from what's not, mm-hmm. what's um, what's sound doctrine and sound teaching versus what's you know religious tradition or dogmatic you know doctrine, mm-hmm. um, and so that's an ongoing thing for me. Um, but what I what I did figure out is there is definitely a distinction between the two, and mm. every believer, every person um, should get acquainted with um, what that difference is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, I think I have, you know, and I guess we'll talk about this a little later. But I've had my issues with religion. And the church, especially here in America, mm-hmm. and how we how we do things just because, and we don't really just understand fully um, why we do things and why we should be doing these things right now as it exists in the current year, day, and time that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, through those frustrations, I think it caused me to 
really just be. It, I think it was a righteous in, in, indignation. Can mm-hmm. I say that? Yeah, is that right? All right. <laughs> I'm from Hope. Y'all gotta understand. I'm country and I'm a little hood. <laughs> <laughs> we can respect that. That's Ooh, all right. That's our dynamic. Right. Kendall and Little Country. I'm a lot hood. I mean, here we that's go. What, that's what it is. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so, oh my gosh. I think it, I think it, my anger was justified. Mm. It was just how I expressed it that I think I may have. Um, just made a mistake because I, I I was one who just every time there was a chance to criticize what we do and how we do it, I was the one to do it. And, mm. um, you know, that, that I think caused some issues and some friction, you know, even inside of the family. Mm. So we've had conversations. We're good now. But we've had conversations, and I think I've gained some some wisdom over time to know um, that we're all learning, and that even though there are issues within the religious circle and community, there still should be some honor there because that's where I got my. Um, that's that's where. That's where I was planted, and that's where I grew, and that's where, you know, the roots were for me. And so if I am, if I know that I was in it and I came out of it with some level of appreciation for what I got from it, then I should allow people, other people, um, to do the same while trying to help whatever community I'm a part of fix the issues that I see. And still be open for open for critique and correction because I'm not God and I'm right. not right all the time either. So, what was it that you saw, or what you know, event happened, or events that led you down this like rabbit hole of like, okay, we're doing things. Should we be doing them? Like, what led you there? Um, give us some examples of like what we just do to do. Mm. Um, yeah. How long do I have? <laughs> you have time. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I, I think, you know, kind of going back to like being born into the institution um, as a non-pre-K and then as a pre-K, I kind of had the unique experience of just a different perspective of the entire church. I've, I've had the perspective of being just a member or what we call just a member, and then being uh, pre-K, and another one of those, I don't know if you would call it a privilege, but just, it's kind of a privilege, you know, depending on what you do with it. You have certain access to certain things, certain information, certain conversations Mm -hmm. that go on um, behind closed doors and certain meetings and conversations at home. Um, and I was always one to just, you know, listen and observe. Like I didn't, I was, I was like, again, I was an introvert. Yeah. So I didn't ask a whole lot of questions, but I was really observing. Mm-hmm. And the things that I saw, um, they gave me a lot of questions, mm-hmm. questions that I didn't start asking until I got older. Um, 
until I got away from my environment, until I moved away from home um, and started to seek out things for myself. Because I think there comes a time, you know, in every believer's life where they want their integrity to be intact. And so if I say I'm a Christian, I want to be able to live a life where other people can say, yep, he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yep, he wants to do the right thing. Yep, he's a man of his word. Yep, he loves people. Yep, he does all these things that Christians say that they're supposed to do. I think there's a there's a gap um, with the American church, and I think a lot of you know traditional black churches, if I can go there. Yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> that, you know, that doesn't really happen until we get, you know, historically probably plus 35, mm-hmm. 40 years old. And I wanted it. And I wanted that not to be the case with me. Because that was something that I saw. Um, I saw where and y'all may have the same you know, experience or same observation, but I, I don't think many people question it or or at least solve problems or talk or have conversations to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But when you're in church and you grow up, um, because I was in there for a long time and just observed, I saw by the time you get to be like 18, 19, um, people just stop coming to church. <laughs> you know, you notice they've been in youth group and because they've been made to come and their parents, but once they get a chance to mm-hmm. make a choice to come, they stop coming. And then if they return, it's somewhere around 30. Mm-hmm. 30 25 to 35, that's what they do. Um, and so I, I, I had questions about that. And those questions caused me to learn a few things and, um, I got in a situation once I got to Huntsville, which I, that's where I live now. I've been here for almost 12 years now. Um, and so my search for a church home up here um, found me at a place where it was a very, very small community, a startup church. The, the pastor was like 30-something like maybe younger than me that I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, it was unlike anything that I ever seen before. And so I had the unique experience to be able to ask certain questions and have certain um, conversations and dialogues about some of these things and the issues that we've seen and we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Those things um, led me down a path of, getting like almost getting ordained myself almost you know mm-hmm. being the one behind the, the pulpit <laughs> um but things happen circumstances happen and god really showed me that that's like i didn't i didn't put you there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um and as much as i have several different stories of, you know, my family's preachers um, almost forcing them into the pulpit. Like, God had to force me out of it. And, you know, I've always, always said that 
if he like I, honestly like every story that I heard my dad my cousins my uncles they were like <clears throat> um I ran from it for so long and it affected my life in this area that area this area that area I've always said hey if God calls me I'm just gonna go because mm-hmm. I don't like if, if it seems like it's easier to just answer the call like I saw how happy they were mm-hmm. I saw how much weight was off of them you know after they even my own dad in the house it was different mm-hmm. like it was just this demeanor um, he still was a little mean there now and then but that's just a whole other story <laughs> yeah. but I, it was it was lighter it was yeah. just you know um, and so I said, like, if it's for me, you know, he called all these other people, uh, in my family. Maybe we just, that family was just full of preachers. And I'm, if I'm the next one, right. I'm not going to fight it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when I did enter that ministerial class, um, by the time everything transpired, I really just had to be honest with myself and say, like, this, I know God didn't tell me to do that. Mm. I just had to be honest. And so in that process, that, you know, after that was over, I just pushed the pause on church um, and not not from a standpoint of just rejecting church altogether. I just knew it was it was it was some questions that I had that needed answering that I wasn't going to get answered in church. And I had to. I had to be sober-minded enough to go search for answers and still hang on to my faith because there's a lot of stuff out there mm-hmm. that will, you know, kind of sway you and, and try to pull you in different directions um, that, you know, I had to come across. But, I, you know, I knew I knew God had me on that path. So it was it was it was scary and lonely, mm-hmm. um, but it was necessary. Yeah. I just want to applaud you, Dustin, because so many people, um, just to go back to speak on, like, you knowing that the calling wasn't for you. Now, if it were for you, that you would accept it. But knowing that it wasn't for you and you taking the time to step back to actually hear from God and not losing your foundation, like, that's, that's just awesome within itself because we have so many people that, swear they have the calling but jesus ain't call it <laughs> i just i mean and i me being human and i ain't perfect and i ain't trying to call out nobody but some of these let me tell you something like some of these nah, preachers, <laughs> like, come on right like you leading the masses come on now like you gotta be out here really accepting and walking in your calling if that's what jesus called you to do you can't be out here leading people to eternal damnation like so I want to just me personally I just want to applaud you for you know doing that because that takes like such a big person I think people see a platform and like other things when it comes to a calling and utilize it for self and personal gain and to to step away from that and really you know go deep into yourself and say is this really for me is this really what god wants me oh okay no all right so i'm gonna find another way (laughs) i'm gonna do it i'm gonna keep this walk going but i'm gonna do it another type of way so thank you (laughs) so i mean i make it sound like it was a really really conscious choice um that i knew (laughs) 
what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I want to give you back your applause. Yeah. Oh. Because... <laughs> <laughs> this because, is a PK that's like, like standing out there like honestly, might be so twins or something. Yeah, so so this is what happened. Like my my first sermon date was about to be set, mm. and I, I I worked for an aerospace company here in Huntsville. My job, the program that I was working on, got canceled. When it got canceled, I got moved to another department, um, organization is what they call it, in my, here in Huntsville, in another building, another like a whole other group of people that I was working with. Because mm-hmm. they didn't have any assignment for me at the time, they sent me to Seattle, Washington mm-hmm. for six months, supposedly. <laughs> and... At that time, I just had to push pause on the sermon day because I didn't know when I would be here, when mm. I could do it. I didn't want to rush it. And, and at the same time, I was feeling a little uneasy. And it wasn't because I was afraid to do it. It was just uneasiness that I didn't understand at the time. Mm-hmm. But when I got to Seattle, like I'm literally up there with coworkers that I've never, that I'm just really getting to know. So it ain't like, all right, let me call so-and-so and and let's go hang out. I was going back to my room every day, Mm. reading the Bible, and forgive me, drinking beer. Mm. (laughs) That is a combination. (laughs) Not not necessarily every day drinking beer, but I was reading the Bible every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the more I read, the more I saw, like... Literally, I would read all of Paul's letters to every church that he mm-hmm. sent, mm-hmm. you know, letters to. Yeah. And one of the questions that I had was, okay, I'm reading all of these letters and I don't see much of what we do in church on Sundays mm-hmm. or Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. That was my question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could not, nobody... I couldn't ask anybody that had an answer for that. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was my journey during that time. And by the time I was done, I actually got pulled back two months early. Mm-hmm. Um, but by that time, I was in a completely different mindset. And mm-hmm. God had, you know, I perceived that God had taken me out of that situation. And that's when I knew at that time yeah. that it was, you know, that was the wrong move, and that was on me. And that's why I say I can't take your applause, because I literally, I chose to do that. And God had to, like a little child, he had to, he had to slap my hand. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. this, ain't, this ain't what I want you to do. I didn't tell you to do that. Let's do this. I just love how God works, though, because right. he was like, this boy is about to make the wrong decision. And he just took you out the right. whole thing. Right. He was like, no, you got to go Seattle. be in Huntsville. Right. Goodbye. Right. Um, I was just going to say he's in your details. I love that. And I also, you know, going back to what Brandy was saying and what you're saying and what they talked about at church today, I think that God has, you know, all of us are called to discipleship, right, in some, in some way. Yeah. The stage is not for everybody, though. Yeah. Certain stages are not for everyone. And so you really have to like spend time with God to figure out where he wants you. And so it just sounds like he definitely wants you to do his work. Um, 
but just not where you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That That's is crazy. that is absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and at the same time, when there there is there is a period of time where we have to figure out what we are here to do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we have to figure out how we're going to do it. And when I say that, a lot of people get to the point where they know what they are, what they have to do, but they don't have a they don't have a healthy respect for other people who aren't doing it the same way. Yeah. Mm. And so mm-hmm. that part of the process of me going through um, that period of isolation and then the 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 conflict of how do I communicate this to people? Um, how do I posture myself and still be uh, in love, but addressing the issue that that needs to be addressed? Like mm-hmm. I I messed up plenty of times, um, but it 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 was it was the the proving ground for me being able to like stand firm in what I'm here for and still understand that other people have their own path too. Um, And not to be as critical um, and as judgmental in your, in my criticism as I was becoming. Yeah. I think that that's where I was. And, you know, and again, he had to keep me in a place of almost obscurity. Um, and I'm, you know, still there to a certain degree, but I, you know, I see what he's doing now, you yeah. know, and it's a little bit more, um, calm. It's a little bit more peaceful to be able to accept the things that you can't change. Yeah. It almost sounds like you're like an to. apologist, like, and it's defending the faith, you know, how do you do that from a space right. of love? Yeah. Yeah, I hear that I hear that word a lot these days. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> Apologies. If that's is that you, you? Know, what it is. You don't want the word. I just think I just think we all as human beings, we fight to be once we stop fighting to be right we start fighting in our own selves to be righteous to mm-hmm. some degree. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that from, you know, religious terminology or biblical terminology even. It's just like our souls are built to be uneasy when we're not just, for lack of a better term, being 100. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just It's just in our DNA to like, I think one of the Ten Commandments is like, not bear false witness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at the Ten Commandments as not just laws that God gives us, but like just parameters to live by. So things don't be as things aren't as, you know, I think if we broke all the Ten Commandments, things are pretty chaotic. Like don't kill each other. Yeah. Like don't lie to each other. Mm-hmm. You probably shouldn't have sex outside mm-hmm. of marriage because there's a lot of mm-hmm. trouble that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm whether that's before marriage or after you get married, right. like, like keep God first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, 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 your life will be better off if you do these things or if you, you know, don't do these things. It's not for, I think some people see it as these are all the things that I can't do, but yeah. it's really just to keep us safe. That's how I see it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why do you think it has become so easy? And I know this just didn't happen now for the church to stray away from the original intent. Mm. Mm. Um, because we're lazy. Mm. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> um, because we're afraid mm-hmm. to to do something different. Yeah. A lot of times, because there is a power structure that depends on things being the way they are, that thrives on it being the way it is, and it's gonna fight tooth and nail. Because, um. And here's one of my gripes, and I'm not against pastor salaries. However, we all have jobs. Mm-hmm. And when we become dependent on our jobs, mm. we don't necessarily... There, there, I'll put it like this. There's a lot of room for... All right. Let me say it another way. My job pays my bills, right? Mm-hmm. If something comes to threaten what I think is my job, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be willing to do more. And that includes break like my integrity mm-hmm. to make sure I can eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when we have pastors who are dependent on on salaries and i'm not saying pastors should not be taken care of because they should because they they work hard i'm just saying we need to rethink it i'm I'm saying we need to reorganize restructure um and and have some understanding yeah people should be able to ask questions about you know what's going on with the money Mm. people should be able to know how much they pastors get paid absolutely Um, because it, it, it matters. It does. It just does. It, does. it just does. It matters, and too, so, if, you're, if the pastor gets paid six figures, but the church is struggling. The body <laughs> is yeah. suffering, you know, the buildings, you know, not paying sure. and debt, you know, sure. things like that. Yeah. Um, but I do yeah. think it's biblical to yeah. give to, you know, the pastor. To make sure they yeah. take care of it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But he can't be getting dropped off in the helicopter and everybody walking to church. I'm just saying. <laughs> that might not be right. Yeah. <laughs> getting dropped off in the helicopter in the hood. Right, in the hood. Right. In the hood. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, and that's the... a whole nother, whole nother podcast, oh. I'm sure. Ooh, that is. Ooh, that's that's just one of the things um, that I think, you know, we just have to look at. And then you know, we really have to become students of church history yes. because we there's there are too many of us that don't know how we got from what we see in the scriptures to what we see today. Yeah, yeah. true. Or not even because there's a gap. Right. Huge gap. If we're honest, there's mm-hmm. a gap because we do things that are just if we're if we're honest, we do things that are cherry-picked from certain scriptures, and then we put mm-hmm. them together in this blender, and then we come out with Sunday morning. What? But we don't we don't see it all together at one time. You better say that, just Justin. don't. Yeah. You better say it, Justin. And some know. of it, I think, too, like the, the, uh, the veil, to some of it is, too, like some churches do just enough for you to mm. feel like this is God. Yeah. Um, like, I know... One of my friends was telling me, I, w- I went to, like, an event at her church, and 
her and another person were talking and they both go to that church and they were just like yeah like I just think it's kind of weird that we don't do like a call to salvation after every service and I'm like well what are we here for if we're not trying to like save souls you know like if we're not asking like who here wants to give their life over and outside of being lazy I think it's also like this political correctness like you don't want to offend like you want people to come to the church right because unfortunately sometimes bodies mean money and but we don't want to offend the people we want to have in here. So we can't be too quote unquote religious. It's just like, oh my gosh, just do what the word says and like, let's move on. <laughs> like, right. Like, so when has Jesus ever not been bold? Like, right. how, how, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. how do we have church and you can't express yeah. your, that, you know, you believe that he rose, died, and resurrected? Like, yeah. I mean, Rose died and resurrected. Like, right. how, not in that order. Right. Not in that order. Right. But I'm just saying, like, I, I just don't, I guess I would be questioning that too. Like, why don't people ask these questions? Yeah. We can't. We cannot. There is no space, there is no time set aside for those questions to be asked. Right. Like, at <laughs> what point on your church program does it say Q&A? Yeah. Right. It I think it depends doesn't. on the church because I knew a seven is it a seven day event Adventist. Yeah. So <laughs> so I was like, Oh, like let me invite you to my church and he was like, Only if I can ask the pastor questions in the middle of service. <laughs> I was like, Oh you yeah, know, my what? probably you know, like you Send know my email. Which I get what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. but like I just don't want you to be here with me doing all that <laughs> <laughs> Like word, word, right? But I, but now, like, I get that because you know, I'm kind of in a space where I'm just like, I want the word. If I'm gonna get up and come to your space on the Sunday, like, I need you to like preach, preach, okay? Don't just give me some little anchor mess, uh, anchor scripture, and say a couple of things and like hype me up. No, 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 no. And of course, like, I get the word myself, so I'm okay with that. But now I'm personally at the point which is like, do I have to even go into this building to to do what what I'm supposed to do? There it is. Yeah. Well, yes, you have to go into the building because we are the church. You come to my house. Oh, okay. That That part too. too. But you gotta go to... You got to go somewhere to get them to come to your house. You got to find somebody. I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. I, I believe in fellowship. I believe in all of that. But I do think that we have to be honest when we're giving these sermons and doing all this stuff. Like, you know, sometimes like, oh, we just got to no, like yeah. preach the word. No, don't water it down. Yeah. Don't, don't saw me down. Salt right. and sugar look the same. <laughs> That's the sad part about it. Right. You know, we, we are called to be the light and salt of the world. Yeah. But sugar looks just like salt on the table. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm, a, I'm in agreement. Like yeah. sugar does look like salt, and it tastes better too. You're all right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. For the most part, but it'll it'll kill you. Yeah. Right. Um. I, yeah. I, so my I think with the question and answer thing, I, and you know, even when you talk about church and it being a building, that was another thing that I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, in the scriptures, we don't see church referred no. to as a building. A building right? It was always a, a group of people. people yeah. right? um, but we always call church, the, yeah. you know, the building. <laughs> it's so hard to break that now, too. Like, right. as an adult who knows better, it's yep. hard to separate that. But and we have to ask why. Right, right. Because it's being taught that church is a yep. building. 
because most adults don't know that these letters that Paul wrote to these different churches wasn't a building. Like, <laughs> it was and, like and you have to understand at the same time because this is something that I had to, you know, uh, kind of calibrate my terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wasn't a building. However, he knew. It, it definitely was a place yeah. and a people. Yeah. Or those people in a certain place. Yeah. And even even now, the churches that we go to, they aren't really communities. They're just mm-hmm. people from different parts of the area that come to our church. You, mm-hmm. We used to have community churches. Yeah. The church that, you know, Kendall and I attended when mm-hmm. we were younger, it was a community church. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of the people that went there were from the area around it. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, you know, it's become more, more of a business kind of thing where people really go and like, what's it's like, it's you know, there's a huge real estate portion to it where it's like, mm-hmm. what's the biggest location that we can find or the best location that we can find to attract, mm-hmm. you know, members mm-hmm. to come to this church, and yeah. we lose the community aspect, yeah. and I think you know there are a lot of things that we do lose because of it. Not saying that. Uh, there isn't some value in some of these bigger churches and in churches that have, you know, um, like, yeah, they, they just, they have this huge building project and project to, to, you know, plant churches in different cities. I get that. And I think there's room for it, but we have to understand what we miss and what we lose in those kind of churches. I mean, we look at, if we look at Jesus, um, coming out of, you know, the, his, his own wilderness experience, Mm-hmm. And then coming back and then actually starting his ministry, he went and grabbed 12 dudes and mm-hmm. said, y'all come hang out with me for, you know, for a while. And they they did, mm-hmm. you know, basically for three years, they mm-hmm. lived together, they ate together, you know, they had conversations together, they traveled for three years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after those three years, Jesus died, did what he had to do, he got up, and before he went back, on the cloud, he said, um, okay, now go make disciples. Basically the same thing mm-hmm. I did with you guys. Yeah. Go do with other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we incorporate that enough into what we call church. Right, mm-hmm. right. I, so, I had this conversation with a cousin. I'm like, I think people forget that Jesus still had the disciples going on a like go ye therefore, mm-hmm. teaching and preaching yeah. all nations. Like after he died, we forget about these disciples. Like we don't even right. Like, <laughs> like where's the next book about the disciples? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say too, like I think another piece of that is the reason why it's hard for us to distinguish is because a lot of us grew up not reading the word for ourselves. Yeah. And sure. so you don't know what's in the Bible. And you sure. also don't know that, like, the pastor is not, like, this is not the Old Testament days. You don't have to go through the pastor to be get to, get to God. Yeah. And so you have no understanding that you can go to God for yourself. You have no understanding that you are, yourself are a disciple. Just because you don't have a stage doesn't mean that you're, you're not a You shouldn't be a disciple in wherever God has you. And so, in the church's defense, the big churches anyway, you know, I think they're trying to do the best they can do to solve what they feel like is the issue, like people's salvation, right? Like, we need to try to get as many people saved as possible. 
But that wouldn't be as big of an issue if we all did our part. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But we don't because either we're not bold enough, we don't know that we can, we don't feel like we have gifts, or you think that it's only like for the person on the stage to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Um, And then there's the issue of let's say everybody hypothetically and ideally ideally speaking let's say everybody at the same time decided that okay I'm going to live my life for Christ I'm going to do exactly what he has specified um, before I was even born for me to do mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Do you think that there is space and opportunity inside of the church for everybody to be doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing? Do you think that there would be some objections that if somebody was called to, like, let's say, go minister to strippers at the strip club to do it in the name of the or under the banner name of the church that they attend, like it depends. Yeah, it depends Some on the church. May. Yeah, yeah. Our, tr- our church not. is all about it because they do that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I've seen that before too. But I yeah. also right. have My seen churches ain't doing um, right that they're gonna be like, nah, we not. Right. Yeah, we put our name on that. Right, right. That's a branding. So, yeah, yeah. It's those churches. Those churches that I have um, issues with. Uh, concerns about that they don't have the capacity to really support ministry as God gives it to each mm-hmm. member. Um, and sometimes it gets a little abusive. Again, being a pre-K, a PK, I've seen some things yeah. uh, that pastors get a little heavy-handed yeah. when it comes to stuff that's outside of their realm of understanding or what they say, I guess God has um, given them for that particular church community. Yeah. And so, it just, you know, you get labeled as rebellious, you get labeled as um, you know, bucking the system, Mm -hmm. unruly, you get called all kind of names. Right. Um, And then you get ostracized, just pushed to the margins. Right. And then you leave and go find another church or start right. your own. That's that's the part of it that, that really gets me because I don't think it's God's will to have 10,000 Christian denominations. But we got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and you, I, don't, I don't care who you are. You will never get me to understand that. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, it's just because like ego allows man to forget that God sits on the throne and you don't get to control people. And two, just, you know, maybe having that um, position, you make the decision. So you feel like now, oh, I get to decide how we like speak God's name around here. But it's so funny that you mentioned abuse because I was reading uh, maybe a year or two ago, a book called Outwitting the Devil by Mm -hmm. Napoleon Hill, maybe. Yeah. Um, such a good book, but one thing he talks about, so the whole premise of the book is he had an actual interview with the devil, and the devil told him the ways in which he can use people. 
Um, and one thing he said is that he uses the church. I know he said he uses school, the church, and parents, I believe. And so it was so interesting that he said the church. Um, and so it was all around the whole idea that, you know, all he needs you to do is fear a little bit and then he can use you for his will, you know. Um, and the church usually like instills fear in a sense of who God is or whatever. It doesn't even matter what the fear is as long as it's fear. And I think it's so interesting how sometimes what we think we're doing as a part of our calling is really more damaging to sure. to people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, uh, I think I read something similar, similar to that. It wasn't that book, but I'll add that one to my list because it sounds interesting. Yeah, mm, um, yeah. Skip to like the first two chapters. I'm gonna skip them when they kind of slow, but yeah. the, other, the interview itself, <laughs> right? The it's interview after, itself is really right. good. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. after the first two. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that you say fear. I think where where God has me and has had me for the last probably two years is really trying to understand um, emotions. Mm-hmm. Why? Why we have them? What their purpose is? Mm-hmm. Um, because if there was one point when I really, I really just sat alone with myself and really just asked myself, "What are emotions for?" Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an answer. Like, and I was, you know, I was thirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you get to? How do you get to the point where you are 30 years old and you've been living with something so intrinsic to life that you don't even know what the purpose for it is? Like, how how does that happen? Like, we have to be in an environment that is numbing or paralyzing to what really matters. Like, I'm supposed to know why I have emotions. I'm supposed to know how I use them. I'm supposed to know that as a human being. Not mm-hmm. let's forget about Christian. Yeah. But you have to kind of add the Christian element into it when you when you know that God is the creator of all things, um, the designer of our bodies, anatomically, spiritually, everything that that exists in us from a, a mind, body, and spirit, or, or spirit, soul, and body standpoint, uh-huh. how do you how do you grow up in an environment where you say you have all this access to, to the designer uh-huh. and you don't know this very important detail about yourself? Right. And these are the questions that I was asking myself and, you know, I just went down a little rabbit hole of in prayer and in just you know, being inquisitive, being curious about stuff, and that fear emotion is is something else. Mm-hmm. And we don't understand how much we don't understand when it's occurring, when we're acting out of fear um, and not love, and we don't understand the ramifications of every decision that we make out of fear, how it affects our lives holistically. Yeah. So, so many decisions right. you make out of fear. Right. Most of them. Yeah. Let me tell you. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You're like, testimony? Oh. Mm-hmm. You know what? And when you said that, when you said that you are questioning yourself about, like, knowing the purpose of emotions, and I just thought about this, like, for the first time, and this is probably not, like, somebody else probably thought about this, like, a long time ago. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he's right. Like, emotions are, to the spirit, I feel what, like, pain is to the body. So, like, yeah. that indicator to let you know. This is what's happening. Like, right. this is what's happening. So, right. if you have a headache or your arm hurts or, you know, something's off in your body, you can tell that because it lets you, you feel it. Right. Yeah. Fi- like, physically feel it. And emotions, that's that's the spirit. Yeah. But, yeah. Then, but then if you don't understand spirit, that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Right. And, like, and I yeah. think that's what you're saying. Like, yeah. coming exactly up in an I'm environment saying. where we don't even understand that piece. Right. But we know we can quote John three sixteen. Okay. Right, you sure can. <laughs> and we know <laughs> like we, can do that. we know the the greatest the greatest thing to do is to love. Yeah, you, yeah. You're called to love, but if you don't understand it, yeah. right? Because people yeah. say that, but we still don't act. <laughs> we don't act like we really know that. You know, the more you talk, I'm just like, wow. I always talk to my friends about that idea of being set apart and how, you know, when God sets you apart, it's so hard. And I think for you, that's what it sounds like. You know, you just being in a family that comes from ministry and who mostly does ministry a certain way. Uh Like, I feel like you just described your journey of being set apart in that. Sure. And it seemed like it was very (laughs) uh, challenging to say the least. It is. Yeah. That was. It is. is. Yeah. It is. But, I mean, and I'm a part of a family that's really close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And wouldn't trade them for the world. Right. Um, Of course not. And and there was, again, in in that little rocky period of time where I was, you know, not intentionally, but I realized that it came off being... Um, judgmental, maybe even arrogant, maybe even um, self-righteous. Yeah. Um, I love my family enough to pause. And I think some people get to the point where they come to a certain enlightenment to where they just throw everything away. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They just... They get rid of everything that they've ever known. But I think that that speaks more to the hatred of self than it does of I'm just going to, like, this is me completely selling out to Christ. Because if if God is in the details, like you guys so eloquently say, <laughs> um, then those details of the thing that led you up to your enlightenment, mm-hmm. Were part of his plan too, right? And so, to throw them completely away would be to reject what you say you now know, right? True. And that's that's a little problematic to me. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't. In the times where I would like get upset at some um, claims that were being made that I know weren't true. It was the love of God and the love of my family that kept me in a place where I could self-evaluate and self-analyze to say, all right, maybe you could have said it differently. 
Maybe you could have chosen a different tone. Maybe you could have chosen different words. Like, fine-tune it. Use this to, you know, to help you with your message. Because you do have a message, but people aren't hearing you because of how you're presenting. Right, right. And so that was, you know, that was and still is an adjustment. Because even with my family, um, it was almost like uh, that was practice and I'll be placed in some more, you know, environments with other people as well. And I, they won't, they won't have the, the relationship equity mm-hmm. to have patience with me. Right. Right. Like my family does. Right. My family can say, all right, you tripping, but you're my cousin <laughs> or you're my brother or you're my family. So, right. you know, it is what it is. Right. He's but still coming to, to dinner. Right. <laughs> who, you know, who God has, who God has or will um, hear my, allow them to hear my voice, you know, I'll need to be, I'll need to be solid and, and confident in my delivery and my message enough to be content with however they receive it. Right. Right. Because right. I won't have, I won't be able to be told, hey, you seem like whatever, and then be able to respect it because I don't know these people. Right. You know? And so I have to be, I have to be at a place where I'm content with myself and secure within myself and the purpose that God has given me to be able to, you know, deliver a message with love um, and also with the integrity of the scriptures, with the integrity of my own thoughts and emotions and um, words and actions. Um, I think all that stuff matters, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's how I got through that that little dilemma. Yeah. So, you know, at this point in life, you've kind of, you've gone through your early years, you know, teens, you're a grown man now with a beautiful wife and children. Uh, beautiful wife. Shout out wifey, okay. What is that, what does your household look like now? Like, you know, how are you raising your kids uh, to believe in God and the faith that they have and how does that look, you know, compared to the family that you grew up in? Yeah. Um, so married with three boys. <laughs> Boy, dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, one, the oldest of which is 13. Mm-hmm. The next youngest is two. He'll be three in June. And our youngest will be one in March. Mm-hmm. So three years ago, we didn't have, well, three years, a little over three years ago, we didn't have any kids in the house. Yeah. Um, my oldest came to live with us February 11th of 2017. Mm-hmm. And so it's February 23rd, 2020. And we have three, three men, <laughs> young men growing up in the house. And so that has been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, and so our faith 
at the same time going through a process of trying to find a church home um, that we are comfortable with um, because you know all of my experiences that I just you know out you know laid out my wife is privy to them as well so there's a dilemma as far as you know how do we do this thing in the most effective way mm-hmm. and in a way that kind of fosters our individual purposes and how we fit into the body of Christ at large mm-hmm. and the community where we live. Mm-hmm. And so we've had some rough, not necessarily rough, but some 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 difficult decisions to make and still are, are doing those, um, are going through a difficult decision as far as like where we fit, how do we do it? And it's an ongoing process. But I think, um, I think we're getting to a point where we are comfortable being in the process and mm-hmm. really just trying to Number one, be obedient to God. Number two, um, be open with each other about where we are and what we see and what you know we've been sensing in the spirit and what we've been praying about and you know what we're uncomfortable with, and at the same time still being examples for our kids in that we allow them to know that we don't have it all figured out. Yeah. Right. However, we trust God in his sovereignty that he's working things out on our behalf and also has a plan for our lives. And when we get to certain milestones, we celebrate them and we thank God for them. Um, which we pray together. We pray at church. We attend church together. Um, we talk about certain issues or talk about certain things that go on at church or that were talked about at church. Mm-hmm. And we just allow, you know, more so with our teenager, um, but knowing that, you know, our other two are growing up, mm-hmm. still wanting to just, again, just be open enough that we can have certain conversations and be able to question certain things that we just don't understand. And that we don't, that don't really make sense to us. Not that they don't make sense. They just don't make sense to us. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, just, I think more than anything, just allowing just an environment for open and honest communication is what, um, is what we're trying to establish and what we have established. Um, That way, you know, we're, we're always seeking, we're always open to, um, a shift, you know, and not necessarily get locked down in the minutia of just what what we've come to know as just institutional religion and church. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Dustin. This has been a very um, insightful, I would say, yeah. <laughs> conversation. <Definitely. laughs> I feel like I need to go like study the word now or like do something like really smart right now. Um, (laughs) Go back and pull out the letters from Paul and just like study about the disciples. I'm just saying, like, I we got work to do. And I think that's the overall, like, I, I feel like one of my big takeaways from this conversation is and our last one too, like. Know God for yourself. Try yes. him for yourself. Get open that Bible, okay? And yes. let the Holy Spirit do the rest. 
Right. Um, and it's okay to not fit into what society has told us, like, church is and God is. Yeah. Like like the word says, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yes, Dustin. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and likewise, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, that is my mission. Like, as if, if I don't do anything else for anybody, I hope they will. I hope people will in, encounter me and think. Like yeah. we, we have brains. We have, yeah. Though you know, and we they say we don't use enough of our brains. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm gonna use as much as I can. Right. And I hope I'm going to encourage other people to do so as well. So thank y'all. Uh, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah. And if y'all want me back, if I didn't bore you enough, let <laughs> no me know. Way. I feel like we definitely got to have you back. There's right. so many more right. questions right. to we, ask. We got to hit up the other, uh, right. other topics we right, right. apt <laughs> on today. <laughs> but we'll end this one right here for now. So, guys, until next time, remember, God is in the details.